Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Nate. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, one of the pastors here. And would you welcome people in our video venue and on our live stream right now? We want to make sure they know they are welcome. And, you know, what we've been talking about, this multiplication table idea, is that on Jesus' last night on earth before he went to the cross, he invited his disciples to the table. Uh, to have one more meal. And we know time is really the most precious thing that we can give people, the most uh, important thing that we can do. If somebody invites you over, or you make time for somebody, and that's what Jesus does. His last night on earth is he gets his disciples together. And he doesn't just have a meal and go, well, that was good. I'm going to see you all later. I'm going to die tomorrow. He begins to teach them some very important things. And that's what we do. If we had one more night, what you would do is you would call your loved ones. You'd call the ones closest to you and you go, I want to let you know what is most important on my heart, what I think about you, what I love about you, what I want you to know before I'm going to die. And that's what Jesus does. And, and what he's wanting to do with his disciples is he's wanting to multiply in them what God has been doing in his life. This is why this series has been so important as we've been walking through the book of John and right now, especially looking at chapters 14 through chapter 17, is Jesus gets his disciples together and he says this in John 14 verse 12, something that's very different than what we expect. You know, I would expect him to get them together and go, guys, I'm about ready to die. Don't mess this up. All right. A lot is riding on this. This is going to be really painful. But what he says is this. He said, guys, I'm going to the Father. And he says, if any of you have faith in me, he doesn't just say, be a good person. He says, if you have faith in me, you will do what I have been doing. I think this is part of the problem for most Christians in the world. And what the non-Christians in the world look like is this. They go, wow, I see you have this faith in Jesus, but boy, I don't see any Jesus in you. I know you say you go to church. I know you have the fish on your car. You're like, uh-oh. But I don't see you doing what Jesus did. See, this is why this series is so important, because if we're going to be Christians, Jesus says, you're going to do what I've been doing. One of the things that we began to look at in John chapter 15 is we answered this question, well, what was it? What was it that Jesus did? One of the things that Jesus continued to do, he was the guy, he was the God man, fully God, yet fully man. And what he did was this, he always lived in proximity to his father. First thing that happens when he got baptized is he went in the desert for 40 days of prayer and fasting to stay connected to the Father. And he says this in John chapter 15. He says, my Father is the gardener. I'm the vine. You are the branches. And he says, apart from me, you can do what? Anybody remember? You can do nothing. He goes, let me just let you know right now. If you try to live apart from me, if you try to be a Christian apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why some of us are stuck right now in our life. You're here but you're not here. I mean, you're here physically, but this relationship with you and the Father, the proximity, you know we're close. Here's what we know happens when we begin to open God's word, when we get serious with our walk, when we begin to do what Jesus did, that proximity begins to change our life. And what he's saying is this, all I want you to do is remain in me. And when you get proximity with me, I guarantee you this, you change, your life will begin to change. I've talked with several people who've come back from our men's challenge, our men's retreat, they go, I didn't want to go. And I'm like, I know. I saw you that first night. <laughs> come on, everybody, let's sing. Nope. Right? Isn't it funny? That's what we do in churches. Like nowhere else in the world, right? You don't start your business meeting. All right, everybody, we got a business meeting. But first, let's sing. <laughs> but what happens when we begin to sing the words of God, when we begin to sing the songs of God, 
we know, man, our hearts are drawing near to him. And what happens is our hearts begin to change because our proximity changes. This Friday, my proximity to God is going to change a little bit. Uh, me and some of the elders and some staff members, we're going to get on a flight on Friday and we're going to fly to Israel. Never been to Israel before. Been on a bucket list thing for me, going, man, I'd love to walk where Jesus walked. I'd love to stand where he preached the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we, two things are going to go. One, it's for us to go on a study tour to learn. I need to keep growing as a pastor. I, I'm, I, I'm my proximity, I am not exempt. I need to continue to get close to the Lord. And it's not that you just get closer to the Lord in Israel. But I guarantee you this, when I walk the Via Dolorosa, Rosa, where the road that Jesus walked with the cross, I guarantee you this, when I walk that road, I'm going to be a changed man. Because my proximity is going to change. Two things that we're going to do there. One, we're going to study and learn. And we're also going to be there as a scout trip to see if we're going to begin to take trips there as a church. And open it up every couple years. And say, hey, wouldn't it be cool to see where Jesus walked? To see what he did, where he did, how he did it. So we can live a life that does what Jesus does because when our proximity is that close to him, not just in a location, but when our lives are lived with him, he begins to bear fruit in us. What's so cool is in chapter 16, he says, it's not just about proximity. And if you get close to me, maybe I'll do something good in your life. He says, no, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And it is going to be the power of me in your life. Then when we get close to the Father, he begins to put his Holy Spirit. You saw a baptism today. And what happens is when you turn your life over to him, his presence, his Holy Spirit power comes in you. And you no longer live, it says in Galatians chapter 2, but now Christ lives in us. It is his power that is at work in us. And Jesus is saying, here's guy, here's how you're going to live. You're going to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to live not by your own will, but by your own might. You are going to live by the power of me. And then what we're going to look at today is in John chapter 17, Jesus prays. One of the most important things we can do is we can pray. The only problem is this. You and I, a lot of times, we don't know how to pray. We go, I want to pray. I'd long to pray. I just don't know how to pray. That's why Jesus prays. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at his prayer. And this is what I love about the table. Is that Jesus gave the disciples a way to stay connected to the table with him. Not just that night, but now for the rest of their lives through prayer. That, that's what happens when we have a great meal, right? We don't want it to end. That's why I love a buffet. It just doesn't end, man. Right? When, you, when that first plate goes, guess what you do? You get another plate. We're like, let's go. We're going back, man. We're going to go. We're going to keep going back. We're going to keep feasting on this. And Jesus, this is the reason why he gave prayer to his disciples, is he goes, I want you to continue to live at the table with me, not just physically in this moment, but I want you to live a life of prayer with me. Let me have a just con confession moment with you. I love to go boxes. I love them, and here's why I love them. Every morning, especially if like Ruthie goes out with some friends the next morning, I wake up and I open the fridge, and I didn't know if she brought any leftovers home, and as soon as I see this, my love for my wife grows even more exponentially. <laughs> I love you, right? Here's why I love it, because whatever is in this box, there's nothing like it in the house. There's nothing like it. Matter of fact, every two, about, you know, anniversary birthdays, we go out, and I go out, and I get a big old steak, man. You know, I'm talking a big old filet. You know, we do that about twice a year, and what I love is this. While I'm eating that steak, my birthday steak, I'm eating it, and, and mentally, I'm trying to keep myself contained. Because have any of you ever had filet and eggs? Oh! If you want to know Jesus is real, make filet and eggs, and you will go, 
glory to God in the highest. There is a God, and he loves me, and here's the proof. (laughs) The whole time I'm eating that steak at dinner, I'm like, Nate, cut off a chunk of it and leave it so I can put it in a to-go box so I can have it the next day because I don't want the meal to end. Here's the only problem with our prayers. Too often times, our prayers only end up being the leftovers of our life. We never sit down at the table and live a life of prayer with God. Do you know right now is the most our nation has ever prayed in its history? Do you know that? You go, Nate, prove it. I have 1.6 billion reasons why. It's called a lottery. We've never prayed so much as a nation. Oh, God. You're like, yes, I have heard. I have prayed more this week than I've ever prayed in my life. And I, can, I just call, can I just call bull crap on all of us right now? You are not tithing on $1.6 billion. I don't care what you say. Oh, yeah, I'll give the Lord $160 million off the top, right? Yeah, right, yeah, right. I'll pray for you about that because I know you're lying in church, right? <laughs> Literally, I was in the lobby last night eating chili after service, and uh, Larry, my buddy, came up to me. He goes, you know, he goes, it's so funny you brought up the lottery. He goes, literally, he goes, I haven't bought a lottery ticket. He goes, my hope's not in the lottery, all this other stuff. But he said, I started walking through my mind if I won the lottery, and he said, you know, I was like, okay, how much are you going to go to taxes? How much do I give to God? And he said, I started thinking about that. He's like, man, I've got to give, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars back to God. And then I'm like, do I just write a, a blank check to this church? I'm like, yes, you do. You know, and uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Now, no, he's like, you know, I'd want, to, I'd want to give, you know, some here. I'd want to give some to this church. And then I started thinking I want to give to that organization and this organization. And then I started thinking about, well, so I, you know, I'd probably run out of money. And some organizations I wouldn't be able to give to. And then they'd be mad at me. And then I started, I'm like, well, I don't want people mad at me. And then I saw, he goes, I just started thinking, God, don't let me win the lottery. I don't want this. He goes, I didn't even play the lottery. And I, didn't, I was already, ah. And what happens, though, is we become people of prayer only in situations. We live the rest of our life. We do what we want to do. We say what we want to say. We live how we want to live. Until we go, oh God, would you give me $1.6 billion? I'll love you forever. If it's real, give me this. And we just pray prayers that are leftovers. There's no meal, there's no table, there's no time with the Lord. It's just leftover prayers. See, this is why Jesus sees prayer being so important and one of the most important things he can do with his disciples on the last night that he is on earth. He could have done anything he wanted. He could have said, you know what, disciples, I've done enough for you. Just go be by yourself. And he says, nope, you know what I want to do? I want to sit down at the table with the disciples and I want to pray with them. I don't want to give God just leftover prayers. I want to pray at the table. I want to pray for them. And I want to make prayer really something pretty simple for us. I don't know about you, but I found prayer can be simple, but it's difficult, isn't it? It's not that we don't want to pray. Sometimes we just don't know how to pray. We we don't know where to begin. We don't know what to say. And God, if you're there, am am I doing this right? Or do I have to be at church? Or, you know, all these things about prayer. Let me just kind of break it down for you a little bit. Here's what prayer is according to Jesus that we're going to find out today as we walk through this. Prayer is simply this. Prayer is a conversation of listening and talking 
with God. It's a simple prayer of listening and talking with God. I, I don't know what it is about my personality, but, you know, part of it's just the way God's wired me. But, man, when, when my wife and I, we go out on dates, I love to sit down and I love just to observe the restaurant where we're at. And I can't help but notice the couple that's there that, are, that they're not talking. And I don't know, it's just kind of, I think it's probably just the sickness of my personality. I want to pull up a chair to their table. <laughs> you know, because they're just sitting there like they... So what are you guys doing? Date night? Oh, cool. And they just don't talk. And I want to sit down so bad and go, what'd he do? Right? Like, I want to, like, appear in back. Why is this so quiet right now? And you know why they're not talking? Because along the way, they stop listening. And when we don't listen... We don't talk. Oh, you can have a $50 steak and a $100 bottle of wine. That doesn't mean you're going to listen. And that doesn't mean you're going to talk. See, this whole thing about Jesus and the table and bringing his disciples together, and what he's trying to do is he's going, guys, I want you to live this life of prayer. And isn't that desperately what you and I want? Man, I want to talk deeply with God. I want to talk with Him. I want to walk with Him, not just at this hour service and out on the patio a little bit and maybe at my life group on Thursday nights with the people I love. Man, God, I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to listen to you. And, and I would probably say this. Probably in this room, you, you fall in one of those categories. Probably you're better at listening to God or maybe you're better at talking with God. To, to me, I, I found that I'm better at listening to God. God, if you could just email me what you want me to do today, I'll do it. I'm here to listen. I love to-do lists. I'll just, just tell me what you want. God, I will do it. I am, I am here to listen to you. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, just tell me. I'm listening. I'm listening. My problem is this. I don't talk enough with God. Some of you, there's, you have no problem talking with him. You just don't make any time to listen. Prayer's not just talking or listening. Prayer is both. I remember before we moved here, uh, we, we sensed God releasing us. I, I shared that story uh, last week a little bit. And my wife and I, you know, we didn't know, so we took a day to pray and fast. And, there, you know, there was a job opportunity up here. And, and we said, God, before we take this, we want, we want to know, do you want us to go? We don't want it just to be on our, uh, on our own. And so we prayed. We fasted that day. And at the end of the day, we came back together. And my wife and I, we talked. We said, man, what did God speak to you? What did he say to you? You know, and all this other stuff. And it was so funny. He said the same thing to both of us. We said it in, in our own unique ways. We said this. We go, I feel like God told me that he wants me to want him more than we want an answer. Yeah, but God, tell me what to do. I'm listening. No, Nate. You know what I want you to do? I want you to want me more than you want the answer. More than you want to hit the lottery. I want you to want me. Lottery won't hold you together. You know what will hold you together? Grace. Mercy. I'm not calling out everybody who's won the lottery, but it won't take very long for you to Google names of people who win the lottery, who as soon as they get their money, what happens to their life? Falls apart. Falls apart. 
Money actually doesn't ruin people. All it does is it, it exposes what's in our heart. <laughs> you don't have to be rich for your life to be a mess. That's why Jesus says, I want you at the table. I want you in conversation with me. I want you praying. I want you listening. Nate, I want you talking with me because I am so good. Jesus, tell me what to do. He goes, I want to know your heart. No, 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 just tell me what to do. Nate, it's not about what you do for me. I want to know you. I need you to talk with me. I need you to make time. I need you to be vulnerable. I need you to be open. This is what Jesus begins to teach us in John chapter 17, and he's going to guide us through. And today, if you don't know how to pray, today I hope as you look at the life of Jesus, my goal is that you find a way to pray like Jesus prayed. We don't have to make up prayer. We don't have to try to be smart. You don't have to go to Bible college before you start praying. Jesus gives us the way to pray. If you have your Bible, follow along in John chapter 17, or we'll put it up on the screen. But listen how Jesus teaches us to pray. He just taught them about the Holy Spirit. He tells them, take heart. I've overcome the world. I've got all these things under my power and control. And he said, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed. And I love this scenario that Jesus is with his disciples, his loved one, and he begins to pray and he says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. If you've ever wondered, you know, that's kind of a Christian term. If you've ever wondered what eternal life is, sometimes we think eternal life is just when we get to heaven and it's somewhere up there in the clouds or space or I don't know, it's out there. He says, no, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is you and I sitting at the table talking and listening with Jesus, allowing him to speak into our life, allowing him to lead our life. And he goes on to say this, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do, God. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus teaches us right here. Here's where we start in our prayer. Prayer is a conversation that shares what's on our hearts. Can you share what's on your heart with God? Well, yeah. Well, great. Start there. Tell him what's going on in your life. That's what Jesus does. He opens with, Father, the time has come. Anybody ever had a time where life was so hard you didn't even have words to pray? All you had are just kind of like, I pray to God, I don't even have words right now. That's what Jesus is praying. He's going, Father, the time has come. The time for the cross has come. And what does he say? Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Something we need to hear about the life and prayer of Jesus here. This is why we just need to pay attention to his prayer, and he will lead us into a life of prayer is simply this. The goal of prayer for Jesus and the goal of prayer for us is God. Do you know that? That the goal of prayer isn't for us. The goal of prayer isn't just to get things. The goal of prayer is God. That's why Jesus says, Father, Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. See, sometimes we wake up, and I've talked with buddies, they go, yeah, my whole prayer life has been, I pray when I wake up, I pray when I go to bed. God, would you bless me today? 
He said, then my day doesn't go well, and so at night, our prayer is, God, will you do better tomorrow? Good night. James, the brother of Jesus, begins to address this because he calls out people who are praying with the wrong motives because he had the wrong motives. Even he didn't believe when Jesus was on the earth. Imagine that, your own brother not believing in you. Later on, James becomes a believer. And in James chapter 4, verse 2 through 3, listen to what he says. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. He says, part of the problem with our prayers is we're not talking with him. We're not letting him know what's on our heart. But he said, but sometimes that's not the only problem. He says, part of the problem is this. When you ask, he says, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God, would you just give me this? Because, man, it would make my life a whole lot easier. The prayer of Jesus is this, Father, glorify your Son so that you may get glory. And did you notice he talked about his work? Father, I've completed the work that you've given me to do. Did you know that you can pray for God to glorify you in your work? And it doesn't have to be a Christian workplace. Too often times we can almost be, you know, we can sidestep and create our own Christian bubble and only send our kids to Christian schools and only eat Jesus chicken at Chick-fil-A, right, you know, and only listen to our Christian music, right? And then one day let's work at a church so it's only Christian environments. And we're going, well, I just want to stay in the Christian. No, no, no. In our work, in this world, and we're going to find out Jesus prays for this. He's going, God, glorify me as I glorify you. And God, I have brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. You need to understand this. Jesus has called us all to a work in this world, but not for ourselves, but for him. Matter of fact, that might be the only way you find joy in your work because the work that, you've, that God's given you to do, it might not be that great, but you know this. Here's how your work becomes meaningful, that you go, God, would you get glory in it? God, I don't want a career for me. I want my career to be for you. That's what Jesus prays. I have glorified you by the work you have given me to do. Is the goal of your work to glorify God? That'll change how you pray at your work, won't it? Just because I work at a church doesn't mean my heart's right. Even as I lead a church, even as I pastor, God, would you get glory in my work? Glorify yourself, God, in this place. That's the prayer of Jesus. This is what's on his heart. Some of you are going, Nate, if you know what's on my heart, I, I, I just can't talk with God right now. No, this is why we need the scripture more than ever if that's where you're at. That's why, as a matter of fact, on your bulletin above the sermon questions, whether you're in a life group or not, I think it's good for you to go through those sermon questions every week. Talk with God. That's why we give them. We want, we want this table experience to continue on. But at the top of the back of your sermon questions on the bulletin, I put some scripture there that if you don't know how to pray, you don't know where to start, you just get to pray the scriptures. That's the beauty of the book of Psalm. It's everybody's prayers, King David and other people talking and praying. Matter of fact, Jesus prays a psalm when he's on the cross. Instead of his own words, he steals scripture. Some of you are like, he stole scripture? Well, he wrote it, right? He can steal it. But here's the thing. In the moments that he didn't have words, he prayed scripture. In the moments that you might not have words, pray scripture. One of the most famous prayers of Jesus on the cross is this, my God, my God, why have you what? Forsaken me. Do you realize he was quoting Psalm 22? 
And when in the Jewish culture, it's this, if you quoted the first line of a psalm, you meant the whole psalm. So let me read you a couple verses from Psalm 22. This is King David when he's going through a hard time in his life. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Some of you are like, all right, now we can preach this morning, all right? Because that's where you are. You're mad right now. You're mad at God. Can I let you know he can handle your big boy cuss words? Can I let you know he wants to hear the venom and the rage that's in your heart? Because he loves you. And he can handle it. That's what David's doing right now. Why are you so far from the words of my mouth? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. This is where we got to keep reading, though. Listen to what David says. He gets his rage off his chest. He vents to God. Talks with God. Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. And in you, they trusted and were not disappointed. Prayer is us talking and listening to God. David talked, but then he remembered and he listened. Oh yeah, God, you've been faithful. Generation after generation, you have been faithful to save. You've been faithful to not disappoint. You've been faithful to call us in. Oh yeah, that's right. See, this is what we've got to understand is Jesus at the table, he's going, no, I want you at the table. I want you to develop this life of prayer that you're constantly talking with the Father in the times of your anger and the times of your disappointment, absolutely. And then I want you to remember God is faithful. God is for you. Matter of fact, Jesus says this in verse 11. He begins to pray, not just what was on his heart, but he says this in verse 11, he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, God, and I am coming to you. He's talking about his disciples. He says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. He begins to pray for his disciples. God, protect them. In verse 13, he says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, the disciples, may have the full measure of my joy within them. Do you realize that God is not trying to pray for you just to go through a life of suffering? He wants you to experience the fullness of his joy and his presence in your life. That's what he's praying for his disciples. God, would you protect them? Would you let them know the fullness of my joy? And then in verse 15, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. This is his prayer for his disciples. And what we need to understand is this, part of prayer is sharing what is on our heart, but we need to understand our conversation, this life of prayer, is about praying and talking about who's on your heart. What's on your heart, but also who's on our heart. A lot of times we worry too much instead of praying more. Matter of fact, you get got a lot of people probably in this room that you're worried about. They're on your heart, they're on your mind, and you're worrying, and you're worrying, and you're worrying. You know what Jesus did? He didn't worry, he prayed. Father, protect them. 
God, help them to experience the joy I have. And then did you notice this? He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that God, you would protect them from the evil one. I think part of the problem I've prayed on this is I've prayed way more for my safety than I have for God to protect me from the evil one. And you know what Satan is content with? Satan is totally content with you coming here to church. Maybe you go to the journey class and then you just drive home and you never do anything. Do you know Satan's content with that? Because he's going, great, you are an ineffective Christian because you're not doing what Jesus did. Go to church, get brunch, mm, and go home. And just destroy yourself by what you look at and what you consume. But don't, don't do what I've been doing. Just sit in your nice, safe home. Satan is totally content with that. That's why we got to be careful to pray the prayers of Jesus. God, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He goes on to say this in verse 17. Sanctify them, which means set them apart. Make them for your purposes. Sanctify them by the truth. And your word is truth. God, allow your word to come into their life. And he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That's what we're going to talk about next week is God's plan for our life. This is why we've got to understand we've got to meet at the table with him because a lot of times we make our own plans and we're going to unpack that. But he says, if you sent me, I have sent them. For them, I sanctify myself, which means I'm setting myself apart. That's what Jesus did on the cross, that they too may be truly sanctified. This whole sanctified Christian word just means you are set aside for God's purposes. That God, my life is for you. That's what Jesus was praying. He, wasn't just, he didn't just pray what was on his heart. He prayed for who's on his heart. That's why as you and I grow in our maturity, as we grow in our prayer life, what we'll find ourselves doing is we'll begin to pray. Not that we won't pray for ourselves, but we'll begin to pray more and more for other people. A couple weeks ago, I started cleaning out my office at my house. It's just this little kind of oversized closet in the basement. And I found some old prayer journals that I had from when I was in Bible college. And, and I just want to let you know, man, I opened them up. They were pathetic prayers. Pathetic. God, I'm at Bible college, but I don't know what to do with my life. Would you help me? God's like, would I? That's what I sent Jesus for. God, I'm, you know, I just, I don't know what to do with my life. Amen. <laughs> and I'm reading at these prayers and I'm kind of laughing at myself and I realize these prayers were 17 years ago. My prayer life is way different now. Not because I'm so good at it but because I've remembered that Jesus keeps inviting me to the table to pray, not just for myself, but for other people. And I found that the more I begin to pray for other people, the more actually my heart begins to change. Matter of fact, here's God's goal in prayer for us. God's goal in prayer is for formation. This is why we pray. 
This is why we begin to pray for other people. And it might simply start for your family. Hey, God, would, would you protect my kid? Not just keep them safe. God, would you protect my kid from the evil one? What a good prayer to pray. God, would you protect my life group from the evil one? God, would you protect the church's leaders from the evil one? God, would you begin to do this work in others? I want to see you at work in others. And here's what happens. When I begin to pray more for people, you know what begins? I begin to see God do in my life. I actually become more kind to others. What I found is this. It's hard to hold a grudge against those that I'm praying for. Anybody ever found that out? I mean, when I begin to pray for other people, it doesn't mean they, they don't kind of annoy me. I pray for that. God, make them not so annoying. No, I don't know. I'm just joking, right? <laughs> but what I'm finding is this. The more I begin to pray for other people, the more my heart becomes soft for them. The more I want to extend grace. See, this is what happens in the life of Jesus. His prayer now shifts. First, it was what was on his heart. Then he began to pray for his disciples who was on his heart. And then listen to what happens in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. Oh, oh he's not just going to pray for his disciples. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Did you know that in this passage, Jesus is praying for you? Oh, Jesus doesn't have time for me. There, there, there's conflicts in the Middle East. He doesn't have time for me. Well, John 17, verse 20 says he's praying for you. That his last night on earth before he went to the cross, he prayed for all who would hear the message, you and I. The almost 7 billion people now on the earth, Jesus was praying for. He says, and I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See, prayer isn't just for us. Prayer is also for those who are on our heart. And for those, this is what I'm realizing more and more, that Jesus is saying, I want the world to know. He goes on to say this. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you in me. And may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. Now, this is a lot, man. So get like Tylenol or aspirin out all right here. But listen to what Jesus is saying. We got to pick up on this. He says, I want the world to know, one, that God, you sent me and you have loved the world even as you have loved me. You know how we view God's love? We go, well, he loves Jesus the most, then me second, then the world. I'm reading some of your all's mind right now, right? Like that you feel like you're closer to God than the world is. Jesus says, God, you love the world as you have loved me. Here's what we need to understand in the heart of Jesus. When we pray, this conversation shares who needs to be on our hearts. It's not just about what's on our heart and who's on our heart. Those are good things. But Jesus begins to pray. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will begin to believe. He begins to pray for those who need to be on our hearts. He begins to pray for the world. This is why he prayed as a church that we, be, we would be brought to complete unity. 
You know, we have over 5,000 people here, and I guarantee you this, afterwards, you guys are going to go get chili, and somebody's going to say this, there's no noodles in this. This isn't Hoosier chili. I know it, all right? We know it. Don't email us. We got it, all right? If you don't like it, just keep walking. Grab a biscuit. It's all right, man. You can go buy your own Hoosier chili somewhere. It's okay. But I know this with over 5,000 people. Everybody, oh, I don't like this chili. I don't like kidney beans. I don't like green peppers in my chili. Or I don't, Where's the vegetarian chili? God doesn't like that, all right? You know, and it's one of those things. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, man. Just pick out the meat. But, you know, it's one of those things. Where it's like we all have our preferences. You know, is this gluten-free? I don't know. You know, probably not. So, you know, it's one of these things. We all have our preferences. We all have our ways. We all have our things. And this is why. This is why Jesus prayed that the church may be brought to complete unity. Unity, not so we can get along, but so that we would let the world know. You want to quit being so selfish? Pray for the world. You want to quit focusing so much on you? Pray the prayer of Jesus. You want to know how prayer is working in your life? Because we always want to measure, is this, is this working? Here's how you can measure if prayer is working. Our hearts are for the world. Your heart for the world? So Jesus prayed. Father, I don't pray for them alone. I, my prayer is also for those who would believe in me through their message. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know why churches are closing today? It's not because of theological arguments. It's because of disunity. You know why our mission statement here is we want to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ? Because that's what Jesus prayed for. This is what unites us as a church Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to bring your leftover prayers. I want you to sit with me. I want you to talk with me about the world. I want you to pray for your coworker. I want you to pray for your spouse. I want you to pray for your kid. I want you to pray for yourself. God, protect me from the evil one. But man, he's saying, would you come and sit at the table? Would you talk with me? Would you listen with me? I want to do a work in you, and it's only through prayer. One of the most important things Jesus says I could do on the last night is to talk with the Father. One of the most important things you and I can do is this, is just waste time with God. Go get a journal. Go get your Bible. Go find a beautiful view on a knob. I love going up to the Henryville Forestry. I don't know the name of the, of the pavilion. It's right kind of by the lookout fire tower, and you can see all the way to downtown Louisville. And I love just sitting there. There's even a fire pit up there. I make a fire. I don't know if that's against code, so nobody turn me in, all right? But there's a fire pit area. And I love in a fall day like this to go up there. I don't know how to make a fire, so I bring a fire log and I light the paper. I know, this is where we confess our sins to one another, all right? I just sit there. God, what are you saying? What do I need to hear? God, who do I need to pray for? What do I need to share on my heart? Where am I worried right now? Where am I afraid? What are you calling me to? And I know the time has come, but God, I am scared 
to death. Don't give him your leftovers. Sit at the table. Talk with your heavenly father. We've listened to Jesus' prayer. But now we need to talk to him. Because prayer is all about listening and talking. And here's what we want to simply do today. Before we take communion, I want to invite our communion volunteers to go on back to get ready. That way nobody's having to move when we pray here in a second. If you're serving, thank you for serving. Just head on back. But we're going to talk right now. We don't don't just need to talk about prayer. We need to talk to our Heavenly Father. And I want to invite you right now just to do what Jesus did in this passage. He just simply said he looked up towards heaven and he prayed. And I want to invite you right now just to look towards heaven. Whether you're a follower here today of Jesus or not, I just want to invite you to participate in this. Maybe you've never talked to the Father before. And we're just going to pray the things that Jesus prayed. And so right now, he's listening. He loves you. God loves you as he loves Jesus. That's what the scripture says. I don't care if you love yourself or not. God loves you. He wants to hear from you. See, that's actually how you love yourself, is you let God love you first, because you'll never love yourself until you let God love you. And what he wants to hear right now is simply what's on your heart. So tell him what's on your heart right now. Because he wants to hear from you. Jesus, after talking to God about what was on his heart, he began to pray for his disciples. Protect them. Give them joy. Protect them from the evil one. Who's on your heart right now? What do you want to see God do in their life? Let them know. Because he loves them just as much as he loves you. Let them know who's on your heart right now. began to pray for the disciples' purpose, your purpose, my purpose, our church's purpose, that we would begin to pray for the world. Not just the world, we'd we'd begin to pray for our town. We'd begin to pray for our neighbors. We'd begin to pray for our home, for people in our house, in our area, in our neighborhood who don't know Jesus. 
And he invites you right now to begin to lift up names of people that you long to see become a follower of him. And maybe today is the day that you pray for yourself to become a follower of Jesus. Let's take a moment to pray for those that we long to see become followers of him. Before we take communion, I want to read this verse to you. This is the power of Jesus and the power of his cross. Because oftentimes we don't feel like he wants to use us to do anything. We doubt ourselves. And this was the prayer of Jesus on the cross. This is why we've got to pay attention to what he prayed. You know, if you know anything about the road to the cross, they whipped him 39 times. Passages said they punched him in the face. They put a crown of thorns on him. They pulled out chunks of his beard. They spit on him. On the cross, he's up there hanging, suffocating. And they're mocking him. Oh, he can save others, but he can't save himself. And you know what he could have said on the cross? To hell with you. To hell with you. I came to save you, but you don't want me. To hell with you. What does he pray? Father, what? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Today, you might feel that weight of going, I do not know what I've been doing. Jesus looks at you and he doesn't say to hell with you. He looks at you and he says, I want to take you to heaven with me. That's what the cross is about. Are you listening to the prayers of Jesus? That's why we're about ready to take communion. The bread and the juice that we remember, Jesus could have sent us to hell. And he says, no, I came to die. I came to save. I came to save this world. That is why I'm here. You hear his prayer for you. Let's talk to him right now and remember his graciousness and his gift on the cross that takes away the sins of the world. And let's celebrate him with this meal right now at the table. Father, thank you. Thank you that you didn't send us to hell, but God, you came to save. You could have never left heaven and just said, oh, they're all messed up. But you left heaven. And you came after us. And so, Father, I pray for us today, one in this room who have never accepted you, that we would hear your prayer, we would hear your heart, we would sit at the table, we'd become a follower of you today. We'd say thank you. Or, Father, for some of us in this room, we are more defined by our thoughts, and we've just been talking, but we have not been listening to you. 
And we listen in this moment with this bread and the juice and remember you have always been faithful. You have always been the Savior. You've always been the Deliverer. And today, once again, we say you are our hope. You are our grace. And in you, we have the freedom that we need. Thank you for meeting us where we are, but not leaving us there. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.